Blog Talk Radio. With my dolls in the nighttime. What up, Myson? What up, everybody? 3K, Myson, Churchill on? Radio. What's going on? What's going on, man? So, so you I tell me, so you are not well. You are not 100%. <laughs> but everybody, what's the physical status? I have strep throat. Oh, oh wow. Oh, <laughs> there we go. Oh, wow. There it is. I have strep throat, a <laughs> uh, slight fever, and a, a terribly stuffy nose. So, yeah. Going through the works. I was there a couple of weeks ago. It it passes, but it never feels good in the mix. I know, right? Getting my butt here, Now, good. now the show you also the show must go on. Now, you are also a tea drinker. You like some of I can tell you like some of these alternative treatments. What is it? What is your go to treatment for when you get sick? Oh, I drink the ginger. That, that's what, yeah, that's what that, it tastes like. It tastes like a gingerbread cookie. Like, that's what it tastes like, but it it, it, it drink, actually clears me up. Ginger ale? No, it's it's, it's ginger. It's like cinnamon and ginger mm-hmm. and a couple of like sp- spices and herbs and stuff. But it hits the spot. Trust me. Where do you get this? Oh, or should I? Do we need to discuss <laughs> it? Is this something we shouldn't be discussing on the air? <laughs> <laughs> Got to go to Tivada to get the good stuff. Tivada is where it's at. Too bad they're closing down all the Tivadas. I was going to say, I thought Tivadas just closed. Yeah. But Starbucks bought them out. <laughs> yeah. So now you can either get it from Starbucks or you got to get it online. So before, but since they were closing down all the stores, I made sure I hit up the stores to get their going out of business sales. I spent like 500 bucks up in there. <laughs> oh, God, man. <laughs> Had to load up. <laughs> Had to do work. <laughs> sounds like, so, sounds yeah. like it's bordering on a on addiction dude yeah, of course it's addiction i've admitted this years ago <laughs> i'm it's not ashamed <laughs> i'm definitely proud of it <laughs> no right. shame in my day whatsoever <laughs> there you go see i'm a simple i just chug, i just go straight dayquil i chugged when i got sick i went through a bottle and a half uh but it helped i felt better my inside <laughs> see that's the difference you do all these natural remedies you you get all healthy your insides feel fine mine felt horrible i felt like somebody was Twisting my innards like an Indian burn, but you know what? I got I got over the fever. Thanks, Dayquil. <laughs> See, I don't mess with medicine, dude. No medicine I in my body. Wait, wait. I don't I don't mess with medicine. What does that mean? What is it? I mean, I don't I don't put anything in my body that's supposed to help you. That's man made. <laughs> I don't put anything <laughs> in my body that's supposed to help you. <laughs> <laughs> For real, dude. Like I, I went cold turkey. Like it, it, I don't care if it's just a Tylenol for a headache. I won't take it. It's got to be like life or death. Except for, except for last year, January, I got kidney stones out of nowhere. I don't know where the hell that shit came from. But let me tell you, I never felt more like a bitch in my life. I was like on the floor in a fetal position. 
I crawling, <laughs> got to the hospital, collapsed on the floor, <laughs> crawled for that. <laughs> I was like, oh boy. So yeah, that was bad. The nurses was laughing at me like it was bad. It was it was a hell of an experience, but they drugged the hell out of me that night. I was Good. high as a mother. <laughs> like you're supposed to be. I, I will not mock kidney stones. I know uh, many people who have dealt with them. I myself have not, thankfully. I went to church on Easter, as I always do. So, Jesus, do your job. No kidney stones for me. Thank you. On to something something else I'll be asking Jesus about in a couple months. The Rams. We had a little bit of activity, man. Where do we want to start? We got to start with Marcus Peters. Not Marcus Peters. I'm still stuck in the past, as you can see. Excuse me, folks. My brain is still... That's that ginger. (laughs) That's that ginger. See what it does? If you had some Dayquil, Dayquil, your brain would be firing on all cylinders. (laughs) It's the good shit, Joe. I'm trying to tell you, man. But we got to start with Brady Cooks, man. This is... uh, We're going to spend some time on this. I know we're going to keep coming back to this. I know... Oh, sure. We we seem to never be on the same page when it comes to trades. Like... I'm shocked. You look at it one way, I look at another. However, I slept on it. Maybe it's the the fever talking. I'm not as (laughs) as I was last night. I was all in my feelings last night. I was like, fuck Joe. (laughs) But (laughs) I'm I'm not as in my feelings today, so... So, so I'm a little bit better, but still, I think you're crazy because it's like you have no guidelines for compensation with trades. Like, not really. What, what did you? Not at I, least you can admit that. Well, I think it, dep- it it depends on the player. When you talk about somebody like Brandon Cooks or Sammy Watkins, when you're talking about those kind of players, yeah, I, for compensation, I'm. It, it's it depends on what it takes to make the deal. Um, <clears throat> I think the biggest difference is that it's now we have to take this with a grain of salt because we've heard these kind of things about many other players before. It sounds like the Rams are legitimately, sincerely interested in getting him inked to a long-term contract relatively soon. Uh, Steve Weish at NFL Network reporting that uh, the Rams are working on a long-term extension. And if that's the case, I think if you're worried that – the first round compensation for a guy in his contract year means that he's gone in 2019. Does that change the equation for you at all? Uh, yes. Um, okay. However, however, I will say this. Um, I guess this is why it's a good thing that we didn't record last night. Cause I probably said sure. a lot of stuff. I would have put my mouth. <laughs> then we should, so we should have <laughs> recorded last night. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Right. You would have won that argument. The next day I would have had to say Joe was right. So with the uh, with the trade, um, it is my understanding, and I think everyone probably heard this by now. But it's my understanding that th- that they tried to get him last year. Actually, they were after him last right. year. When, when, and everyone should recall with the um, the story got out that Tremaine Johnson they tried to trade him to the Saints. Everyone should know that by now. Yeah. The thing uh-huh. is, it didn't happen. Um, Part of the story was that, and Tremaine Johnson did sort of confirm this, but part of the story was that Tremaine Johnson didn't want to go to the Saints. Um, So I think the part that no one knew until uh, this week was that they didn't just try to trade him for draft picks. They tried to initially trade him for Brandon Cooks. (laughs) Uh, So when when you hear that, you know that the Rams have been – you know Sammy Watkins was like the fallback player, which – makes a lot more sense now 
considering the fact that uh, he was tra- that they traded for him so late. Uh, they traded for him in, in August right. as opposed to now when all the trades usually go down before the draft. Yeah. Uh, Sammy Watkins, that usually is a pretty good sign that this was never their first option, you know, when it's right, so right. last minute. So that kind of verified that. That clarified all of that, made it, made it make more sense. However, I personally feel like it is uh, more confirmation that Sammy Watkins' trade was bad <laughs> because now it reeks of desperation even more. Absolutely, in hindsight, yeah. You know, yeah. when you hear when you hear that 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 he was their back their fallback plan, it was like last minute, and we had to get somebody in here to, to run these deep routes. It's like okay, that so you gave him a second round pick, like that was pure desperation. That I think it ultimately fit a bit, but because I think they could probably going to use that second round pick and a fourth round to go get Brandon Cooks. That's the thing where I think we defer is uh, I think that the first round pick was a little expensive. However. This is where I'm glad I slept on it. I woke up refreshed, not really refreshed. I woke up sick as a dog. But <laughs> <laughs> I woke up, and after sleeping on it, I eased back on my stance there a bit because I, I really took all the variables into consideration. He is only 24 years old, four yeah. years into the NFL. You know, he is a veteran at 24 years. He's a seasoned vet at 24 years old. So with that being said, and the Rams, this is who they wanted the whole time. You know they're going to go to hell and back to get him signed because they've wanted him for a whole year. So that tells me this is the guy shopping they wanted. The day he became a head coach, he wanted him because it's been, he's only been a coach for a year. Right. <laughs> so you know, that, you know they're going to get him signed. That makes me a little more comfortable. And then when you think about the fact of what you're getting, um, he has three consecutive years of 1,000 yards. He's from that all-star receiver draft class. The, where everybody but that came after Sidney Watkins has outperformed Sidney right. Watkins. <laughs> um, so I, I do feel comfortable in that regard. I think right now the only thing that will make this trade make sense is if you lock him up. However, you still have Aaron Donald. So sure. it's going to be a lot to see how it shakes out. What are you thinking right now with the trade after a night of yeah. thinking about it? I'm cool with it. I mean, it was one of those things where you get a guy who, if, if the biggest issue with Sammy Watkins was production, Brandon Cook's got production. He's got, he's got three years in a row of 1,000 yards, uh, different offensive systems, two different quarterbacks, albeit two Hall of Fame co- caliber quarterbacks. Um, Brandon Cook's has put together seasons on the field that Sammy Watkins hasn't, right? Um, right. It, it's one of those things where my, I do wonder if – Part of what we talked about with Sammy Watkins' limitation on his production in this offense, the fact that you couldn't force the ball to him as a number one wide receiver, you've seen uh, Brandon Cooks' receptions go down each of the last three years. His targets have stayed pretty similar. He went from 129, 117 to 114. His receptions went 84, 78, 65. I just wonder how, in terms of sheer quantity, how much work he's going to be able to get, and if that causes a production dip. Now, what it might not incur whatsoever is a quality dip. We might still see Brandon Cooks be very productive, the same production rate per target, per reception, but less total work. Uh, and if the Rams you know, get back to the playoffs and he's a significant part of a postseason victory, and if they re-sign him long-term, yeah, I'm not going to have any problems whatsoever. What, what I think is interesting is, 
the Rams are put just like they did with Sammy Watkins. They're really, really, really pushing hard to get this turned around. Last year, you know, yes. everything came together at the right time, and it was it was a great season. Look, the first winning season of fourteen damn years. I think everybody was pretty pleased to get that instead of what we've had for the last decade and a half. The difference is the bar is getting pushed higher and higher, and because they're putting so many draft picks uh, into these trades, Sammy Watkins, Marcus Peters, Akeem Talib, and now Brandon Cooks. They're sacrificing at least the insurance of talent on rookie deals, which is really what has allowed them to be this flexible this offseason and last, for the immediacy of capable talent. I, I, I can understand both arguments. I can understand why people were upset at the trade because you're sacrificing with a 23rd overall pick the opportunity to get somebody who could be relatively inexpensive for the next four years and if they're good enough to earn it, a fifth-year option. But at the same time, Brandon Cooks brings you in 2018 a guy that's proven, right? He's done it before. You, you don't have issues with what he's done on the field. You shouldn't have issues with what he's done off the field. He doesn't carry any baggage. And so he's a guy that arrives clean sheet, great resume, expensive, yeah. The cost was high, but it's because you're getting a guy whose resume is this good. And so I'm pretty excited to get him in. My, my biggest fear was that, we weren't going to get a, a, a real wide receiver one replacement for Sammy Watkins. As excited as I was to see Josh Reynolds maybe get a little bump in his uh, you know, playing time in 2018, bumping him up the ladder that much scared me a little bit. Bringing in Brandon Cooks is one of those you know, safety measures that I find very, very little to worry about in terms of how it's going to work on the field, how it works in terms of the football. The only real issue is that they're sacrificing some insurance on a guy that by 2019, 2020, as a first-round pick, might have been developing into something special. But I think they might have gotten a pretty special guy in Cooks anyway. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting because with Cooks, one thing you didn't have with Sammy Watkins, hell, one thing you wouldn't have had with Odell Beckham Jr. had they traded for him. With Cooks, what you have is availability. Sure. You know, he, the, he hasn't missed a game since his rookie season. Yep. Um, yep. Now, I know, you, I know you mentioned that his receptions has gone down year, year after year um, since his sophomore year. But, however, while his receptions has go, his, uh, receptions has gone down, his production has gone up. <laughs> He's per, done more yeah, exactly. Less. On uh, average, his, yep. his, his, yeah, his average per catch has gone up every single year he's been in the NFL. You know, so he's just he's 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 truly developed into a true big play threat where he can, yeah. where he just makes big plays regularly. That's what he is. He's a boomer bust guy. Um, he's not going to go out there week in and week out and be you know 120 yards a game or anything like sure. that. That's not him. He's he's not Odell. But what he is is a, a, he is that true second tier receiver where you're going to get one game, you're going to get you 170 yards. And then there's going to be a game where you get 30 yards. <laughs> that's just that's yep. just kind of what you have to expect. But you're going to see those big games more often than you did with uh, Sammy Watkins or anybody that the Rams have had since Tory Holt, really. You know, so you're going to see more of those big games. You're probably in store for four or five really special days uh, out of the 16 games. And then the rest will be either pretty average or mediocre. But the question is, how much of an impact does those four or five big games have on the rim season and what they're able to do? And are they winning those games? Um, and that's where I, that's where I think his impact really comes into play is that he can be a game changer. He can turn the tide. He is a lot more consistent uh, as a deep threat than the rims have said, seen since sure. hell 
Kevin Curtis or something. <laughs> you know, yeah. the Rams haven't had a, a, a deep threat this consistent uh, in a long time. He is a one-trick pony. He's not taking a lot of slip routes to the house, or he's not running a four-route tree all that often. He's kind of stiff to be so small and fast. He's not a sure. lateral guy. You know, you don't really see him break guys off or things like that or run these really nice crisp routes for Terrence yep. and Achilles. <laughs> you know, that's not who he is. He is truly a one-trick pony. He's going to go deep. He's going to make it happen. But, however, he will seem to win that, that deep ball, regardless of his size, which is why I tell people the size doesn't matter. Regardless of his size, he wins that deep ball pretty often. So, overall, the Rams, the Rams got a pretty good player. Um, do do I feel like uh, he's a first rounder? Because I said no last year when the Patriots traded a first round right. pick. I was like, ah, I don't know if he's a first round pick, and I still feel that way. However, we take into consideration his age and the alternative bonus. <laughs> that's and, and what's the bonus. alternative, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, you have a guy that yeah, there's a lot of potential, but then you have your sure thing. You know exactly what he is. Um, and the question is, the guy that you would have picked at 23, would he have been better? Uh, you know, yep. so and then there's no guarantee that who you think might have been better would have even dropped to you. So there are exactly. there's a lot of different variables that you got to take into consideration. Considering that I do look at him as a, a second in a fourth uh, draft pick value wise, um, right. I, 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 it, it is the 23rd pick. It's not like it's a top 10 pick or anything like that. You know, yep. considering the value wise, I don't think it's too far off. Um, so Joe, you're not you're not a complete moron. You're just a partial. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Well, I do, I do want to get to this list of 2019 free agents, but first, I think there's another signing we didn't get to because I was in New York City when it was going yes, down. Sir. The Ram the Ram signed in Dominican Sue. Now, bruh, I know we've been around the block for a while. If we went <laughs> back to 2010 after the draft. And you told me the Rams were eventually going to get to the playoffs and bring in Dominican Sue. My son, I, w- I would have been willing to to get you some illegal black market ginger. I'm a, I don't know what kind hey. of medicines I would have been willing to get you. Hey, you know what? I thought about the same thing. I was like, geez, the way that the way that everything has come full circle uh, wow. with some of these players. You even Sammy Watkins. I I remember the year that year. So many right. people wanted the Rams to draft Sammy yeah. Watkins. Oh, we got to get a receiver. You know then. When, we, when, when he comes around, it's like, oh, wow, that's full circle. You fast forward a year, and if, for me personally, um, I, I, I know this is with everybody for the topic, because it was either Sam Rafferty or Sue. That's what, if you were a Rams fan, you wanted yep. one or the other. <laughs> there was no in-between. There was no one else outside of that. You wanted one or the other for the first pick. Um, for me personally, though, um, another player who is kind of full circle is Marcus Peters. That was a guy, if you go back to the scouting course, I was really high on somebody I really, really was interested in seeing the horn. So now you have you have uh, the Dominican Sue where it's kind of full circle, and it's like, wow. The, the one thing that's interesting to me is that he picked the Rams. It's a, the, the merits of it totally make sense. One-year deal. The Rams are already up against it next year with so many guys free agents. It's not a big deal. What, what's interesting to me is that he could have chosen anybody. He could have chosen a multi-year deal with another contender. He could have chosen a one-year deal with somebody else. He chose a one-year deal here. I think that's what speaks volumes to me. But why wouldn't he is the question. You're playing next to Aaron Donald. Think yeah. about this from his no, perspective. No doubt. His entire life, not just his NFL life, his entire life of playing football 
the Dominican Sioux has faced double and sometimes triple sure. For the first time in his life, he doesn't have to worry about that. Yeah. <laughs> like for the first time, and, and and Michael Brockers is such an underrated player, but Michael Ro- no Bro- Brockers actually played a huge role in this as well. He's looking at Michael Brockers and he's looking at uh, Aaron Donald, and it's been rumored that uh, Wade Phillips told him exactly when they took him to dinner exactly how he plans to use him and that he will be used at those tackles. So you're so you're the Dominican Sue and you're saying I get to get put in between defensive player of the year and a borderline uh a borderline uh, Pro Bowl player year in and year out. <laughs> like real in real talk, I personally felt like Michael Brockers was snubbed like no other last year for the Pro Bowl. He was he truly played at that high of a level all year long consistently. Um, so if you're the Dominican Sioux and you're being thrown into that and you're looking at what's on the back end where coverage on pass plays should be very good, allowing allowing a pass rush, you're pretty happy about that situation. And if, if the dollars are even close to making sense, <laughs> then you're probably going to jump in here first. Plus you're in L.A. That doesn't really hurt. So... <laughs> Which, by the way, I will be in L.A. in like two weeks. And where are you staying? You told me, but I already forgot. Close to Hollywood. I forgot to. Hold on. Let me pull up my how you forget where you, How do you forget where you staying? <laughs> Dude, I didn't book any of this. My girlfriend booked everything. This is her trip to surprise. Uh, so it was a surprise for me for my birthday. She booked everything. I don't know what I'm doing when I get there. I just know I'm there for like four days. <laughs> Well, I know you can get some ginger tea. Good <laughs> Lord. Dude, real quick, we're going to get off subject here. She is, yep. okay, so you know I don't drink, right? I don't think I've ever been perfectly clear on this. I've never had alcohol in my life, not one sip. She is hell-bent, because this is my 30th birthday. Yep. She's hell-bent on making me drink Ooh. on this trip. <laughs> Ooh. Now, now things are getting interesting. Ooh, I like it. <laughs> she is hell-bent on this, and she. She said she's gonna get me drunk, and oh. manage me, and record oh. me being drunk in oh. public. <laughs> Look at this. We are going. We're going from R-rated to X-rated. Oh, oh my! <laughs> so, so that part kind of made me say, "Well, this drinking thing might not be so bad." <laughs> <laughs> but we'll see. We will see. <laughs> but yeah, so I'll be out there soon. Remind me uh, to get uh, where you're staying. I'll throw you some recommendations on somewhere to go get a, a cocktail. Your speed. I know you mentioned pomegranate tea, so I don't have the I don't have the full menu of what uh, you usually drink and how to uh, reconfigure that for an alcoholic menu. But we'll make it work, man. As that look, as, a, as somebody who does drink, as somebody who's got quite a bit of experience, and my family from Louisiana, bro. So we, sometimes we just wake up. Uh, you want some coffee? No, nah, I'm good. I got crown, dude. I'll be good. Uh, good morning, everybody. We yeah. are staying in Hawthorne, which is supposed to be like seven minutes from Hollywood or something like that. Who's there? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, let's get the, let's get these details off the air because I got things I don't want to I don't want to uh, <laughs> right. insult. <laughs> it's right next to LAX, so I mean, you got It's easy. It's just one of those things where I don't know. We, this may this may be more about your girl than you. I may have some questions. We may need to have some uh, some DM discussion. Uh, back to right. the Rams. Speaking back of DM discussion, 
some DM discussions that they have obviously been having over the last couple seasons is dealing with their free agents. They went into this year with a bunch of guys on expiring deals, uh, and they got around it, A, by making some big trades, including this week, Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks, a keep to lead Marcus Peters chiefly. And then B, uh, moving their high contract guys in Robert Quinn and Alec Ogletree. They can't, that's not a sustainable method, right? You can't, yeah, there's no way to keep doing that if you're not drafting guys in the first and second rounds of drafts. Right. Uh, and, and so what's interesting is when I put this piece up, I started working on it last night, finished it this morning, is looking at the list of guys that they have scheduled to become free agents next year. And it is overwhelming. You've got at the top of it, Todd Gurley, though he can be hit with a fifth year option. Uh, at some point in the Which next is couple of weeks, one hundred percent going to happen. I would expect so. Yeah, there's no reason not to expect that. The list of unrestricted free agents, though, that obviously won't be getting a fifth year option, is pretty long. It's uh, here's the total list: Tavon Austin, Jamon Brown, Brandon Cooks, Aaron Donald, Dominique Easley, Bryce Hager, Rob Havenstein, Lamarcus Joyner, who's on that franchise tag, Matt Longacre. Remember, they just tendered him. Uh, Sean Mannion, Roger Saffold, Sam Shields. Indomitian Sue, both of those two guys, new one-year signings. Your boy, Kayvon Webster, Ethan Westbrook, and Remick Wilson, that inside linebacker that they signed a while back. So you've got starters on both sides. You've got three offensive linemen. You've got Brandon Cooks, your new wide receiver one. You've got Aaron Donald. You've got Indomitian Sue. You've got LaMarcus Joyner. Bruh, they, the, the bottom line is that they have too much. They, they, they've stacked this roster to a degree that is just unsustainable. They're going to have to decide to let some really, really talented guys go. And, and I, 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 it's one of those things that I don't envy Les Snead and Kevin Demoff, Tony Pastors, because they're going to have to let some talented guys go to the market the way that they had the last couple of years, yet again, perhaps in a bigger quantity. Okay, so here's the thing. Um, oh man, I was ready for that, wasn't I? Good. <laughs> second, second that period came or whatever you had to say. <laughs> so here's the thing. 2019, uh, and I'm going to let me have to double check here before the show is over. 2019, I believe the Rams are expected to have about $100 million in cash space. Something 2020, like that. they're expected to have about $126 million or something like something that. Like that. Um, the thing is, the reason they have so much space is because all those guys are free agents. Yep. Of those guys, the big, heavy contracts you're talking about, like four contracts, maybe. Um, but we mentioned already that Todd Gurley doesn't have to be resigned right away. Um, he can be resigned in 2020 when you expect to have like 100%. Right. Um, same thing with Marcus Peters. You can also hit him with fifth, uh, fifth year option. So those guys are good. Um, but at least guys like Aaron Donald, if you want to bring back a, uh, uh, a too. But then you know you have you ha- you have to have Aaron Donald back. Like you can't let him walk out. Is there any chance in Damakinsu? Uh, I w- I would say that Damakinsu chances of being around for 2019 are zero percent. Would you put it above zero percent? I would put it above zero percent. Good for you. Okay. Um, reason I would put it above zero percent is the things I listed earlier. Um, he has to love what he's playing with, and then also I think that I think. The Dominican too just wants to win at this point in his career because he's in that last quarter of his career. He's 31 years old now. Um, he's just looking for opportunity to win. If the Rams have a successful season, it'd be hard for me to see him leaving. Um, I think it, it, I think the Rams would have to bust for him to leave, uh, mm-hmm. which is different because in most cases when you hit that age, 
you if you if you win, you're like, okay, I, I got what I wanted. Let me go get paid out before I get out of here. You know, right. I think that Dominic Sue, because he's made so much money so far in his career, I think he's just 100 percent focused on winning in a good team culture. <laughs> you know, so I think I think that he it's probably 50 50 for me that he either leaves or come back next year. Um, so you have the Dominic Sue, you have Aaron Donovan, you have Lamarcus Joyner. After that, there's not too many big contracts that you have. Um, the rest of them are pretty easily to be brought back. Now, here's the thing. The Rams have a boatload of middle-round draft picks yeah. over the next two years. Um, that's where your depth is because most of what you named is depth. Uh, your big key your big star- key starters, those guys, you, you, you're going to have the money to resign them. Um, will you do it? We'll see. Uh, but you, you're going to have money to resign those guys in 2019 with over $100 million in cash. That, that, that's going to be that. <laughs> you're going to get a lot of those guys resigned. <clears throat> After that, though, it's your depth. Um, do you want to lose all these guys? You're losing some key guys. When you talk about the Matt Longacres of the world. And sure. Like um, I don't think Rob Havenstein is going to cost an orbit of to resign. He's probably going to be one of those guys that you can get back for four years, $27 million, something like that. Um, so I don't think he's going to be a backbreaker contract like a Aaron Donald or a Lamarcus Jordan. Lamarcus Jordan is going to get sixty million dollars. <laughs> like there's no if, ands, or buts. Whether it's for the Rams or somebody else, he's getting sixty million dollars. Unless you want to franchise tag him again, which I wouldn't. Don't, 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 don't do that. <laughs> don't, don't go down that path again. <laughs> you know. So I, I definitely think that um, just overall, the Rams aren't in as bad position as it may look because of the fact that. Well, it's, it, it all plays off of each other. Those sure. guys are free agents. All those guys are free agents, and it creates all this cap space, allowing the Rams to resign as many of those guys as they would like. Um, so it looks bad, but I don't think it's as bad as it, uh, as this year, for example, where you're looking at it and you're like, oh, boy, I don't know how they're going to pull this off. And sure. you saw in this particular case where some guys, guys were lost, you know, and so was last year. Um, so we'll see. We'll, we'll definitely see. I, I do believe that. Uh, if you're a young guy on this team right now, I think there's I think there's above an 85 percent chance you're going to get resigned. So Marcus Peters, Todd Gurley, Aaron Donald, if you're 26 and under, 27 and under, you're probably going to be brought back. The only thing I worry about is is the scope of the market. Number one, the salary cap is going to increase every year. Number two. Desperation is what breeds a lot of this, and we've seen it not only from the Rams and the desperation that they've had via some of, some of these trades, but the desperation that we've seen from the market in willing to pay for guys. Remember, the Rams almost lost Roger Saffold, right? He went to the Oakland Raiders. They did lose Roger Saffold. They, they love it. He went to the Raiders <laughs> yep, and, and was able to get back. They lost Janoris Jenkins. They lost T.J. McDonald. They lost Roddy McLeod. They lost Trumaine Johnson. They've lost Sammy Watkins. The market has been willing to pay guys beyond what the what's the right word the uh, impassionate fan might think they're worth. So when you when you say that Rob Havenstein is at that level, my only concern is that there's going to be four or five teams who say, well, he might be worth that to you. But he's worth another two million, three million a year for yeah, us, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, and and, and and I don't disagree that you know the Rams need to be uh, careful about not overextending salary the way that they were with Tavon Austin and Alec Ogletree, albeit two issues that they were able to remedy this offseason. 
But it's one of those things where now you start looking at it. Okay, oh, well, now you've got an offensive tackle uh, opening. That is not a position the Rams have done a good job excuse me, at filling through the draft in in years past. You talk about Andrew Whitworth at the end of his career. uh, You know, he's not scheduled to become an unrestricted free agent in 2019. The Rams got to start thinking about who they want to fill that position. And if you're looking at the draft, you look at the last three left tackles we've taken through the draft, Greg Robinson, Jason Smith, Alex Barron. This is not a team that fills you with a lot of confidence in their ability to scout that position the way they have the secondary, right? They've got a resume yeah. where, they can get, where they can look at the secondary and they can say, look, whether it's cornerback or safety, we've been able to pluck guys not only at the top of the draft but throughout the middle rounds, uh, John Johnson, Maurice Alexander, Rodney McLeod is a UDFA that they can point to and say, look, we do a decent job at staffing this even by getting good value out of guys that are able to play above their level. You can't say that about a lot of positions, and especially on the offensive line. It's going to be one that I worry about more than anything, given how thin they are right now. You know, I I wrote something years ago before I before I was on the staff. I wrote it in the fan section, and I remember getting slayed by people that read this. <laughs> this thing started like a week long debate, <laughs> um, and I said that. I think the Rams are overdoing it with their trades. Uh, I I said that I believe that Les Snead was just doing too much with the moving around and that getting all these first-round picks and second-round picks, it was ultimately going to leave the Rams thin because they're getting all these starters and there's no way you can re-sign that many guys. It's impossible. And I remember getting slaves for them. They were like, oh, well, we'd rather have guys now. But my argument was, my argument was and still is, the issue is it's rare that when you have a guy on a rookie contract that he, that him, him him and the other guy on the rookie contract is good enough to take you to the next level. Right. And when you when that guy reach, gets out of that rookie contract, that's when he's hitting his prime. And so if you're losing him right when he hits his prime, you're kind of wasting it. <laughs> you know, so, you, yeah, you're getting all these high draft picks. You're getting a lot of talent and things of that nature. But – if you're losing those players, it doesn't really it, – it's a moot point. So my argument, was, yeah. my argument was instead of trying to collect all these high draft picks and all this high talent, get your nucleus and then build your depth up, which it looks like they're doing now. They're now focusing on depth as opposed to, oh, let's have as many high draft picks as we can. And I get it at the time it was a rebuild, but – they really did a really good job with the 2012 and 2013 draft. They didn't really need to continue that trend of uh, just overloading all these high draft picks and then losing them right when they're at their prime. And that's where we kind of are now. They lost all these guys when they hit their prime after they were at the, the rookie contract. And now it's trying to regather and rebuild the depth that you had for about once. Did you hear that voice crack? Did you have for about one, <laughs> one season there? You know, at one point, I think it was the – 2014 season, the Rams were viewed, yeah. was viewed as one of the deepest teams in the league. They, they were. Uh, they were one yeah, of the they deepest were very teams. deep. <laughs> you know, so now you're trying to get back to that. And uh, I think that the, the, good, the good thing that's coming into all this is you can say that the Rams are, less need specifically, is learning from past mistakes uh, to some degree. I, I still wish that when he trades up, or if he trades for a player, I still feel like he overpays because when he trades down, he he does a great job. <laughs> but when he <laughs> trades up or trades for a player, I feel like he reaches a little Hasn't bit. Worked out he, over, he overpays yeah. sometimes, but just to ensure that he gets what he wants. But um, I, outside of that, I feel like let's see is 
really learning from past mistakes because now they're in position with this draft alone to really build depth. You talk about a third round pick, three, three fourth round picks, a shitload of sixth round picks. <laughs> you know, uh, they're, they're in position to build depth. They're not looking for starters. They have their starters. Now it's about getting ready for that next wave and get the next man up mentality. And, get, and getting the guys that fit what McVeigh and Wade Phillips want to do. I mean, the guys that are <clears> – <throat> most of the guys that are on that back half of the roster, I talked about the idea that McVeigh is going through a similar roster purge as to what Jeff Fisher was able to oversee. You know, you, you come in as a head coach and you look at the bottom half of a 53-man roster, and, and the chances that those guys fit what you want out of your backup, you know, inside linebackers from your backup tight ends probably doesn't line up with what you want. And so you have to go out and get a John Sullivan or – uh, a Nikel Roby Coleman or Kayvon Webster or guys that know these systems that can fit in with what your, you know, coordinators want to do. And it may mean that you have to say goodbye to a starter like Trumaine Johnson, because he's just not in sync with the new system. And so I, I think because they have so many of these picks, it's not just about the bluntness of, you know, replacing Bryce Hager or, um, who else is on this? Let me pull it up. Or, you know, maybe maybe somebody like uh, Kayvon Webster, right? It, it's yeah. not the idea of a like-for-like like replacement. It's more a role-for-role role replacement. And the fact that some of these guys were brought in to do something, that now the Rams are in a position to get somebody more specific uh, to some of these roles. And especially as they move forward and the team starts to age, which is something we haven't had to deal with for quite a long time. Uh, you know, you're, you're looking at bringing in some youth to supplant some of the veterans on the team, which is maybe as strange as the fact that we're winning again. Uh, but like you said, the difficulty comes around the fact that we don't uh, have a pick in the first 86 selections of the draft, and the Rams are just going to have to be uh, really smart about how they go about it, similar to what they did last year. Okay, you ready for me to blow your mind? Everybody oh. out there listening, ready for me to absolutely your mind. <laughs> I, when it comes to the linebacker board, you mentioned Bryce Hager, and this reminded me of this. This is one of the amazing points I was making when uh, we lost ourselves. <laughs> I am not afraid to start Corey Littleton all year. Sure. I went back this week, and I really studied up on Corey Littleton. He played well. Season. He played and well. Corey, Corey Littleton played well was a crazy understatement. He was arguably the best linebacker we had. <laughs> and it's it's weird because he didn't get a lot of opportunities until the end of the season where he got some starts in there. Right. But when you really go back and you look at it, dating back to the first game of the season, <laughs> you, you think about the safety against the Colts. Yep. He only against the Colts as far as a, a defensive package. It's not special teams. I'm going to get to special teams. But that's what he was a beast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh yeah, he was he was the best defense uh, special teams player on the on team, far yeah. uh Probably in the league, to be honest, he made a lot of plays on special teams. But you go back to the coach game; he only played about ten snaps uh, in defensive packages, and in those ten snaps, he had like three tackles, a forced fumble that caught that would became yep. a safety, yep. and a tackle for loss. Um, and then you. You, you look at that, and it's a constant trend with every game. He only plays a handful of snaps, and it wasn't even every game. He didn't even play snaps in defensive packages every single game, but when he got those chances, man, did he make the most of them. And he was in on plays every time, and then you see the end of the season when he gets starts, and he's 
all of the backfield getting tackles. He's in on sacks. He gets the interception. He's all over the place. And then you look at special teams. Three block punts. <laughs> uh, he had a reco- he had a, a field goal block recovery. I mean, he's just he's a true playmaker. Like he's around the ball all the time. And above all else, the thing that you have to love when you're talking about the Rams linebacker corps because of the about a missed tackle that you had with Alec Ogletree. He's a sure tackler. He didn't miss tackles. And I went back and I'm watching these games. I'm just like, geez, how did I miss this during the season? Like, I knew how well he played on special teams, but I completely missed it. I overlooked it. Um, it Wade Phillips is old to something here, though. <laughs> like, he has a history for snatching up these undrafted guys and guys that late-round draft picks and guys who kind of fly to the radar and turning them into something in his system. But I think there's more to it. <clears throat> I think that Corey Littleton is just a football player, a really good one. And he kind of flew under the radar, and Wade Phillips is going to use his – take a guy from the ashes and turn him into a good linebacker, but then he also has a guy that's already a good linebacker. Yeah. I think that I think Corey Littleton is in store for a really, really good season. Uh, I, what What's your thoughts on that? No, I'd say two things. Number one, I'd be much more comfortable letting Corey Littleton climb that ladder than I would Josh Reynolds. I know there was a lot of public excitement about Reynolds. I feel way more comfortable with Littleton taking it off for two reasons. Number one, inside linebacker just isn't a premier position. Uh, You look at what the market's willing to pay inside linebackers. It just doesn't match up with some of the other positions on defense. And two, there's been some public reporting about the idea that Wade Phillips doesn't value the position as much specifically for his system, which – reinforces why people like Wade Phillips so much. He's kind of a great defensive coordinator, right? Uh, so that's number one is I feel more comfortable about him. Too. Number two is you look at the talent around him. Not every team is stacked with pro bowlers. you you got to have right. some guys that just do a job. And, and if you're talking about a defense that's got Indomitian and Sue and Aaron Donald and Michael Brockers and Aqib Tlaib and Marcus Peters and Marcus Joyner and John Johnson – I think you can do okay with Corey Littleton at inside linebacker. That's not that is not something that would worry me in the slightest. Yeah, it it definitely helps when you have so much around around a player. <laughs> it makes his it makes his job so much easier. Much easier. Oh it, yeah, it's ridiculous. It's like his job is not going to be anywhere near as tough as I think people might have expected it to be. You say, oh, they're they're not really interested in bringing anyone in. I do like the Remick Remick Wilson uh, Me signing too. though. Um, that was a guy that I liked a lot coming out of Georgia, um, out of college like three years ago. Um, I had a second round grade on him. His problem in the NFL has been injuries, not necessarily sure. ability. Because sure. when he was healthy with the Chiefs, he actually played really well, and he was one of the better run defenders um, in the NFL. His one healthy year, so. They already have uh, Mark Barron, who I think it's fair to say has shocked a lot of people, myself included, with how well he's played as a middle linebacker. I mean, he really made the switch, and he made it well. So I can't hate on that at all. He, he looks really good out there. But then you also have to then you also have to take in the fact that they, they did go get Rick Wilson. They do have Corey Wilson. I don't know if they're in as much of trouble with the linebacker position as people may think. Plus, as far as the yeah. backside goes, you know, we talked about what they have in front and the Dominican too and how sure. we're talking about 
three of the literally, literally three of the absolute best, maybe top ten, three of the top ten linemen uh, yeah. that play the run. With Aaron Donald, he's top three guaranteed. The Dominican Sue might be number one as far as playing the run goes, sure. and then Michael Brockers is probably in that top six or seven. Uh, so as just playing the run. So when you look what's in front of him, you look what's behind him. Uh, Tlaib was ranked 15th of cornerbacks out of 121 last season, according to PF, uh, PFF. Peters was ranked 17th. Uh, Roby Covey was ranked 19th. <laughs> Joyner uh, for safeties was ranked third out of 87, and Johnson was ranked 15th out of 87. They don't have one defensive back that was ranked 20 or less <laughs> uh, from last season. So when you look at what's around this linebacker core, a lot has been made of it. I've mentioned it myself of what's lacking. Um, I don't think enough has been discussed of what they do have. Uh, sure. So it's going to be interesting. The only thing that I question is edge rusher. Uh, it, right. it, it, it's easier to protect the inside backer than it is a guy getting to the quarterback. He gets to the quarterback consistently. There's so much attention that's going to be on those three monsters that with their hand in the dirt, it's probably going to make their life a little easier, but We'll see. We'll see how it all plays out. Wade Phillips, I trust you. Yeah, you know, you know the two-word term that we're going to use often all season, especially when you think about, like, Matt Longacre, why he's been so productive. Covered sacks, dog. Covered sacks. We, you're going to have, you're going to have oh, yeah. so many covered sacks that people are going to be like, man, what a great job Samson Abukum did on that play. Bro, it took him eight seconds to get to the quarterback. Right. <laughs> That's a covered sack, dog. But it's okay. Covered sacks are sacks. I think that we're going to see – a lot of covered sacks, but then we're also going to see a lot of interceptions. <laughs> yeah. The Rams, here's my bold prediction right now. The Rams will lead the league in interceptions with 35. I wouldn't be shocked yeah. at all. I'm with that. 35 interceptions. Here's they're why. Strong, they're because strong up front and they're strong at the back. Yeah, no doubt. Exactly. <laughs> the, the most dangerous spot to rush a quarterback is where, Joe? In his face. In his face, straight up the middle. The middle is going to be so ugly for quarterbacks. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be really, really ugly. Uh, when the quarterbacks get rushed up the middle, bad things tend to happen. <laughs> so whether it's fumbles, interceptions, sacks, bad it. things happen. So I, I definitely expect a lot of interceptions to come to Rams' way this year. Uh, so let me ask you this before we get out of here. Is a Super Bowl a bust? That that's kind of the issue, right? And especially when you talk about the interceptions or Dominican Sue and Aaron Donald or coverage sacks when we're alluding to the secondary or Brandon Cooks joining this offense or j- the the sheer uh, magnitude of hashtag McBay is the expectations for this team are as high as they've been since the greatest show on turf, right? That, and the fact that you're asking me that question is indicative of it. People are going. We're going to go into this season talking. Fast forwarding to January, um, and, and it, you know that's dangerous for a lot of reasons, and that takes a specific uh, skill set from the team in the locker room, not necessarily on the field, but in the locker room, and from the coaching staff to be able to deal with. But uh, they're a victim of their own success, right? You know, win eleven games, win the AFC, AFC, NFC West, and build up the roster the way they have you're going to invite these kinds of expectations. But no, nobody's going to be talking about the Rams as a team that, oh, if things go right, they can end up with a winning record. 
you're talking about a team that is going to start the season. The, the, as soon as they break training camp, when you've got veterans like Ndamukong Sue and Akib Tlaib and Kayvon Webster and Andrew Whitworth, they're coming to training camp starting looking at the Super Bowl. And, and, and not the idea that they're, oh, skipping past week one. I don't mean, you know, that cliche of one game at a time. It's still one game at a time. But this team is not going to be able to avoid the focus on the Super Bowl from day one. And that's at the level of the coaching staff, that's at the level of the players, and that's certainly the case for the fans. Absolutely. Um, for me, I don't think there's uh, any question about it. It's Super Bowl of us. And that's yeah. what you do when you make all these – how many teams even have, have the capacity to make this many blockbuster moves sure. in one offseason? You know, one or two, yeah, but the Rams just keep them coming. Like, how, it's rare that you can see this this type of thing happen. You're talking about Marcus Peters, Keith Tlaib, and Navikitsu, Brandon Cooks. It's like, really? <laughs> you've kind of you've put that label on you, and you've made it known that we see this window is open. Yeah. And we've been, we've been in the dungeon so long that we now see a little bit of light. And we're going to take a lot, of, a lot of light, a lot yeah, of light. You know, we're going to take full advantage of this light and we're going to go yeah. for it. Go for broke. It's that simple. Yeah. And I, I believe that's what's happening here. The, the, the Rams yeah. are going for broke. I get it. I understand it. I love it. I appreciate it. I want it to happen. Um, I say go for broke even more. Keep the shit coming. Sure. <laughs> you know, who cares if guys are on one year contracts, you're going to bring some back. You're going to lose some. But we got a Dominican suit though. We got Ndamukin Sue. Exactly. <laughs> you know, <clears throat> what you're going to do is you're going to bring a different mentality. You're going to create excitement. You're just going to make everything around you better. And if you lose guys, guess what? You've already built a reputation sure. of a winner. If you win the Super Bowl and you still lose guys because you're a winner, people are going to want to play for you. So you're going to open the door for more guys to come. So go for broke. Do it. I, I love it. It is Super Bowl of bust, though. If they don't win the Super Bowl, this all was for nothing. Because, like we said, kind of. So, yeah, we'll see. Um, but that's all we got this week. It's uh, we are we getting so close to the draft, man. I'm I'm getting excited. Even without a first round pick, I don't give a damn. <laughs> you know, I did originally have my draft 2.0 ready to roll for tomorrow. Throw that out. The trade threw all that off. So I'll have one next week. However, tomorrow I will drop my first scouting report, and I'll pro- drop one like every two days after that. So next week you'll have a couple scouting reports uh, as well as mock draft 2.0. I have to redo that whole damn thing. But, but that's, that's all I got coming for you uh, this week. Joe always has something. So we know that we'll have like 50,000 things popping up that says 3K on it. Very little. The one that I'm, I'm going to be doing some – uh, mid-draft looks as well. I think the other thing that I'm going to be looking at is, just from a macro position, is you know, la- last year we talked a lot about the, the idea that this was a new NFL. Right? The Rams on the ascendancy. The Jaguars on the ascendancy. Some of the old Lions, like the, the Denver Broncos starting to crumble. You're, it, the end of the New England Patriots is coming at some point. That was 2017. 2018 is going to be a different season. They're trying to think through what that means as we head into the draft is something I'm really interested in. Absolutely. So 
We got a lot of stuff coming your way. Make sure you stay tuned. Make sure you check us out uh, next week. We're going to go to the store having some guests on here for the draft. Follow the site, Turf Show Times. Follow myself and Fight Your Life. And make sure you follow 3K. That's all we got. 3K underscore. That's all we got for this week. And we out. Nobody dresses sweeter. But under this cool is a quarterback mistreater. I come from the end, looking for the sack. I don't stop coming till I put them on their back. Limousine with it, my moves are like dreams. They call me the demon on special team. I know how to run from the toes to the head. When I pull the trigger, I'll knock you dead. I'm a mountain man from West VA. They call me Herc and I came to play. I learned long ago to ram it just right. You can ram it all day and ram it all night. Style and class to become my way, I'll knock you on your Thursdays, the name's intimidated. I pass it my way, I'll see you later. Quick on my teeth, the ladies agree. Before they know it, they'll ram it with me. The ice man coming, the roar of the name. I cover the. Look, we gotta get my son some medicine. I don't know what this dude is about. I don't know what is wrong with him. <sighs> this dude is about to not get his shots and get everybody with the measles. We gotta fix this. Help me out, fam. Come on. Come on, Tertiary Radio. My name is Spencer Hall. My name is Jason Kirk. My name is Ryan Nanny. And when we combine, we form the, the Shutdown, Shutdown Fullcast. I keep telling you, we're not Voltron. The Shutdown Fullcast is technically a college football podcast, but it's also a show about lawn care disasters, regional grocery stores we love, Tennessee Batman, homeowners associations, 
bears in video games i mean there's also some actual football discussion like about coaches having huge contracts or coaches making terrible decisions or coaches saying really stupid things or the ncaa saying really stupid things yeah there's lots of stupid things in this big dumb beautiful sport sometimes we talk about football games allegedly if you want to take college football exactly as seriously as it deserves to be taken come find us on apple Podcasts, spotify or wherever else you listen to podcasts like this one the shutdown forecast. It's not Voltron.